Kia ora Aotearoa, I'm Simon Bridges and welcome to this special bonus episode of Generally Famous. I didn't want to abandon you over summer, so we've pulled together some of the best bits of seasons one and two. They're themed around particular subjects. Today, generally money. Hope you enjoy this compilation. I'll be back very soon with more fantastic guests for season three. But until then, enjoy your summer. Nick Mowbray. It's a long, hard path from that to where you are right now. Yeah, 100%. I you think, still have the hunger? Uh, yeah, every day, yeah. I probably work harder now than I did way back when, almost. No, maybe not. Probably the same. It doesn't really stop. But yeah. I remember like the first couple of years, me and Matt, we, we, we celebrated Christmas at McDonald's because we wouldn't spend the equivalent of three bucks on a, on, a, on, a, you know, on a Big Mac. And I used to play this trick at McDonald's. I used to eat half my like fries and go back up and say, you didn't fill my fries just so I could get some fries back. <laughs> Like, my, my, we were desperate. My bloody we son, desperate. I won't say which one does that. That's yeah. not what... Well, I can I say... I don't really do that. Now he's going to say, well, it's okay, Nick Mowbray did that, <laughs> right? Um, but I look back on that stuff and I think, man, we were we, we, we really lived on... Everyone's like, we really live on a couple of dollars or a dollar a day? And I'm like, yeah, we really lived on a couple of dollars a day for years, like years and years and years and years. And today, MBR's got your family without three bill or something. I reckon that'd be conservative. You won't tell me, don't worry. But what I am interested in is... How would you describe you got from that living on the bones of your ass to um, one of the best toy companies and much broader than that I know, but one of the best toy companies in the world? I think it was that 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 paranoia of failure and then that drive to succeed to just get up every day and scrap and fight and try and work out how to win. And then you know eventually we started to we weren't very good at developing toys, but eventually we started to develop you know a few things that we thought would work. Most of them wouldn't. We we managed to make a profitable business by just like selling enough product to new customers we'd never get a reorder because it wasn't successful and then doing the next one the next one the next one and then eventually i started like signing up a bunch of products from u.s companies that were only selling in the u.s but they made good products and i was distributing them sort of globally so i'd do deals with them and they were good products so that sort of opened up all these this distribution in sort of other countries and then from there we started to get like the odd hit we had zebes and we had a product called schnooks then we had robofish which sort of took us to 100 million so it was sort of step by step, it was an evolution. And then, you know, before we know it now, we're in, you know, the top few toy companies in the world. And yeah, we just got better and better and better. I think people underestimate, is that, there's that great saying, right, that you sort of overestimate what you can do in the short term and underestimate what you do in the long term. Yes. And I, I think there's nothing truer. Like we have this relentless mindset around compounding continuous improvement. And we say always, we suck now compared to where we will be in the future. So we want to look back on today in a year and say, we weren't even good then. So it's this mindset of never flatlining. And I think that compounding improvement happens to us every year. And we almost get double or three times as good year on year on year on year. And so suddenly you become exponential. Best, you become the best in the world at what you do. And it's actually in a relatively short period of time. And, and I think that kind of sums up our journey. What would your advice be to the next Nick Mowbray? You know, a young guy or girl sitting in Tiawamutu or Invercargill, wherever they are. Um, Think big. I think think at scale. I think that's maybe a, a thing that most New Zealand companies or people don't necessarily do. You've got to think big. Because everyone at the end of that are just people. And everything's about relationships. So it's almost as easy to work at scale to go out and win a Walmart as it is maybe the corner store, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, like I always say, uh, think big, go after something at scale, persist, fight hard, like work hard to get there, work out how you're going to win. Um, I love the saying from Sun Tzu, the victorious strategist uh, has won the fight before he enters the arena. The losing strategist fights first and looks for victory later. So really line up from A to Z how you're going to win, like have a thesis. 
and then go after it just just you know you got to start right you got to start and you got to keep fighting you got to get every day and fight and scrap and eventually you work it out eventually you get to the top of the hill um and so i think that 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 was sort of the you know i think you know if i look back that would be the 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 thing that I realized is that if you just start in something and you have a mindset that I'm going to improve and I'm going to work it out, eventually you do. If you have that mindset, most people get a little nervous to maybe maybe start and then fight at it um, for, for, for long enough or they get too maybe personally connected to their idea rather than really like adapting and getting insights and evolving and, and improving along the way. I'd also say probably like look after your health a bit more. We were, we were pretty brutal. Uh, we didn't really look after ourselves very well um, over probably a decade. Um, so I think without your health, you don't have much. So I think that's kind of important as well. Mitch James. The other side of it is, you know, at 59, you'll be playing pubs, um, <laughs> yeah. drunk and, um, and tired and alone um, before you go back to not the five-star hotel, but the shitty pub room. But um, before, that, before we answer I don't this, know I, what I, the I, question I, is, I, but I've got, But I've got comment. to say... I do love Grand Central on a Friday. Uh, and if I'm 59 and playing there, I'm still kind of doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> but only because I like getting drunk and singing karaoke there. But the, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I guess to sort of loop back to that, I, I think the, the money that gets made uh, for my life is in shows. And there was a time before COVID. It is in shows. Yes. That's what Spotify, et cetera, has done, right? Uh, more or less, yeah. yeah. I mean, Spotify uh, don't pay well, uh, if at all, but they, they give you a platform to to go and bring your music to the world um, if you want to look at it in a positive light. And so, you know, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, songs that have been certified in Denmark and Sweden and Australia if it wasn't for Spotify. But uh, at the same time, I make all of my money through live shows. And so that little thing called COVID was a real ball ache because... Yeah. I, I haven't really been able to play um, any shows for three years and this tour that I'm on um, supporting is a great opportunity so I'm actually losing money to be on this tour. But before COVID, you know, I was getting some pretty damn good money for yep. shows. Um, it's just that I haven't really played it any shows It can come again. Yeah. It'll come again. I'm I hope so. I hope so because... Um, great it, for the punter though, actually. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff coming through um, the country at the moment over yeah. the next few months. Yeah. It's, um yeah, but it's it's all it's all in shows, and yep. um, I haven't had the opportunity to play shows for about three years. So the fact that I've made it through is a bit of a miracle, to be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah, but hopefully uh, some more shows on the horizon. But you know, when you get to that level, like I'm at in New Zealand, the money is good when there is shows. Um, but it's the the challenges to get to that level everywhere else. Liam Malone. Yeah, you know, fair uh, call. Yeah, yeah. and now you're in the tech world, and um, so I think the business you're talking about, Soul Machines, which obviously I know of, AI. Um, now you're at Amazon. Um, I, I think I'm right to say you've been involved in startups. You would have had a lot of opportunities and options before you. Why did you get into the tech world? Well, again, it goes back to being anti-competitive, trying to be and looking at the mean of the outcomes within those competitions. It's like, think about it as like, the, yeah, you were a lawyer, right, historically? Yep. And it's like, I guess most people that go through law, regardless of where they end up, they grind. It's like 80-hour weeks for a lot of young it's people. Right. It's a grind. And they don't earn a lot now. That's a lot don't, you're right. For the hours that they work and the stress that they take. Yep. The same is true of finance. 
they work huge hours, they grind, there's a lot of people doing it, a lot of very smart people doing it. And by and large, that's because those industries have become saturated and they've matured and there's not a lot of growth left in them. The opposite is true of technology, especially of the big technology companies. So the average person in a technology company, they are incredibly bright, they're incredibly talented, and yes, they work hard, but their outcomes are a lot better. And you, if you work at any of the big, you know, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon, the work-life benefits are immense, the opportunities are more immense, and for those reasons, it makes sense to work in technology. And then, naturally, I'm inclined intellectually towards the technology side of things, which makes it satisfying and interesting and, and everything else that comes with it. But does so, that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I know, it does make sense to me. And so, but it's a lot like what you were saying to me about going, you were going to win at the Paralympics. You really have a thought process. You're working through it. And you're quite, and I don't mean this in a bad way, I think it's a good thing, you're quite calculating in terms of why you've done that. Are you... Um, What's a normal working week look for you? You work big hours, or I do work big hours, but not relative to weekends are off. Weekends are absolutely off. Yeah, and working at Amazon, I do believe is the best company on earth. Naturally, I'm going to say that I'm biased, and I don't have to say that, but it is a phenomenal company to work for. I would probably work 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Right. And um, how do you feel about the tech sector or sectors really in New Zealand? I mean. Um, are we an innovation nation that's got to do amazing and is doing amazing things? Is it a bit undercooked? What's your, do you have any views I think on that? That's a broad geopolitical question, Simon. <laughs> is that above both our pay rate grades, possibly? Uh, it's well above my pay grade to make that that judgment. I would well, I thought say, I'd give you the opportunity. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like you might. I think there's a lot of great people doing great things in this country, and I think. I think the underlying question of what you're asking is like, do we become a technology-centric country in the future? Like, is that our future? I don't know. I don't know if that's like determined for New Zealand. I think we've got a lot of challenges to get across before that might be possible. Um, I feel like we're a little bit behind the eight ball. We've got, we, we could, but sort of open to us. I think we, we could make it- Perhaps e- not smashing think, down the doors we need to. Here's some things I think would make it easier. I don't think we need to send kids to university until they're 22. I think that's a giant waste of time. I think high school, for the most part now, is advanced babysitting. And I think we could reduce the barriers to making uh, attempts at building great technology companies in New Zealand. And then on top of that, we could have a much greater set of incentives to bring technology companies to New Zealand to foster uh, development because you, the best training you're going to get for a society is actually going to come from companies that will get outcomes as a result of having trained staff. And so I think we could we could have a set of policy, Simon, if you ever want to go back into politics, that you could implement that would encourage It's a bit that. like law, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> Long hours, not a lot of pay. Um, yeah, well, no, enough. look, it's all relative. I know there'd be people saying that. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo of that gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack no, line no, there. No, that, I what, think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing offence there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Nadine Higgins. You also presented, we were, you know, what I mean is you were, um, you read the news. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Are newsreaders paid too much to just sit there and read an auto queue, or am I being unduly harsh on Simon and Wendy and Co? Um, I mean, in terms of the difficulty of the job, it looks easier than it is. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever sat down and tried to um, impart the, the news. news. Yes. But also, I guess they're in a precarious position if you think about career longevity. There aren't many newsreaders. Mm. And so if you're going to specialise in that, then there's risk involved because public opinion might change or, um, I don't know, the organisation might decide to turf you out. And you've specialised in something really niche. And so I suppose it feels like there should be some sort of risk premium associated yes. with that. That's the way being, I think like of it. Like being a stunt driver, Stig, driving <laughs> onto a conference. <laughs> and I retrained. I became a financial advisor. And then I decided to buy into the Auckland Central office. And I've become a shareholder in the group. And the reason I've done that is because I really believe in, in what we do. And I feel like... We all New Zealanders could do with more financial advice. We keep mm. saying it's about financial literacy, but it's not because even pe- we see people all the time who are thoroughly financially literate yes. and earn great money yeah. but have made terrible decisions of what mm. to do with it. So let's say hypothetically, of course, very hypothetically, I'm someone who every day comes home with Trelease and Whirl and <laughs> Zambezi and Balenciaga and Maggie Marilyn and many others – what are you going to do with me to get me out of those terrible habits? I think we would want to show you what your future looks like if you keep doing the things that you're doing. Yeah. But also because you, I would want to look into your tendencies and your motivations around money. So it's likely you're a shopper, right? Which, by the way, not only women are shoppers, because I know you've dropped no. off women's no. uh, shopping brands. Um, I would want to give you something to be excited about, something yes. to work towards that is a reason to do things differently. Yes. And then most of us work better with accountability, and that's where yeah. the coaching piece comes into it, that we just do, we raise our game when someone else is watching. It's like working yes. with a PT at the gym, that you'll do that extra rep or that extra set because someone else is telling you you can. How do you think Kiwis think about money. We've talked all poppy syndrome. I mean, it's, you know, with what you're seeing in your role, are there sort of, yeah, are there co- do, you, do you think there are common cultural kind of views around money that are, you know, either helpful or unhelpful? I think that we tend to have a she'll be right attitude to life, right? Mm. But also probably goes double for our finances, that we just think it'll be okay in the end without us having to drive the outcome. And that was probably fine at at one point in time, but the conditions are much harder now. So I think you have to be more deliberate in order to be financially successful. Yeah. And I think we also tend to think people are wealthy just because they have a good income. But good incomes come and go. You know, life happens, throws you a curveball. It's what you do with that income that's going to have the lasting impact. Ross Taylor. Hey, a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, and, and then we're going to get into some quick fire. Look, um, one of the things that is amazed to me, and you know, I sort of knew, but reading your book, we put in the picture real clear is what has changed with, you know, um, the likes of the Indian IPL is, you know, for a little while there, you were earning a million bucks a season, right? 
I mean, the money, has that changed? I mean, what's that like, firstly? And, I'm, and I think the only honest answer is probably good, but you you tell me. And then what's what's that done to the game? Oh, I mean, you know, I, I wanted to play for New Zealand, but my once I played for New Zealand, my next goal was to have a freehold house. Yeah. That was, you know, you, you talk to everyone and you set yourself up, buy a house. Then IPL turns up. Life-changing. It is different, though, when everyone knows what you're on. Yeah, um, that's annoying. You're expected to buy everything. And it's like, okay, nah, but it, it, and some of it's joking. Um, you can you can understand it, but oh, I mean, in terms of uh, setting up your family, IPL's been amazing. I think not only the money side of it, I mentioned it in the book, I genuinely believe that IPL's been fantastic for New Zealand cricket. Not necessarily because the boys obviously earn a lot more, but it broke down the barriers, it broke down the aura. You know, that my first team I had Callis, Boucher, uh, Chander Paul. Um, and all the guys were spread out. Thanks again for listening to this bonus episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, we'll be back very soon with all new episodes and more brilliant guests. If you're following the show on a podcast app, keep an eye on your feed or check www.stuff.co.nz slash generally famous for updates. Thanks as ever to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black. I'm Simon Bridges. Enjoy your summer, Aotearoa. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support.